companies just don't grow without a focus from the beginning on the customer's outcome. Welcome to Leading Matters. Today's guest is Rick Nucci. He is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Guru. You can find them at getguru.com. And uh, really, just really cool, uh, you know, approach these guys are taking to serving up information to customer service uh, folks, to customer experience people, as well as sales representatives. And information that's trusted, it's recent, in other words, it's not stale. And most importantly, it's most relevant to where the sales rep is within the sales cycle. And that's a big reason why I asked Rick to come on the show is, is that I'm really fascinated by this notion of automating the curation and the distribution of content, also the accountability of those within the organization whose job it is to enable the sales force better so they can go after and uh, the, you know the right contacts within the right market and accelerate those deal cycles. So, But more importantly, we get into a big discussion about the nuance of the changing sales process today, the necessity of bringing the right people onto the team so that the information that we gather is, is accurate and, and also reflects the tone and the vision and the mission of the company. Uh, Rick is not his first startup. He actually sold one to HP. He spent some time at HP for a while. Uh, so I think he's got some great perspective, great experience. He's certainly passionate about his topic, and I think you're going to love the episode. So give it a listen. It runs about, I want to say, like 25 minutes or so, and I guarantee you that you're going to want to check out Get Guru. But most importantly, I think you're going to want to, you know, when you get off of this episode, I think it's going to give you pause to evaluate, you know, what am I doing to collect, curate, distribute, and make my content easy for the Salesforce con to consume so that they're serving their customers and their prospects even better. Because what you're going to find is if I'm able to do that, then I'm setting my customer up for success you know, right away as soon as the transaction is done and the deal's complete, which, um, especially in the SaaS world, leads to a higher renewal rate and lower churn. So there's a lot packed in this episode. I think you're going to love hearing from Rick. He's in the Philadelphia area, and he's also involved in the Philadelphia area startup community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with the co-founder of Guru, Rick Nucci. Okay, pleased to have with me today Rick Nucci, who is the co-founder and current CEO of a company called Guru here in the Philadelphia area. And you can find them at getguru.com. I, I do encourage you to check it out. You're going to hear a lot about it today, but it's a really interesting solution these guys are building. Uh, now, Guru is not Rick's first startup. In 2010, he sold his first company, Boomi, to Dell. And he actually remained with them as GM after the acquisition for a number of years. He's been involved in the Philadelphia startup community since about 1999 and currently is the president of Philadelphia's probably most influential and communal startup uh, group, which is called Philly Startup Leaders. So I'm excited to have him on the show with me today. And Rick, I just you know can't thank you enough. Thanks for joining me today on Leading Matters. Oh, thanks, Joel. I appreciate you having me on. Now, pleasure's mine. So listen, um, you know I know a little bit about what you do. I have the good fortune of living in the area and paying attention to kind of the uh, startup scene here. But for the benefit of my national listeners who might not be as well informed about not just the startup scene here in Philly, but but also Guru. Could you share a bit about yourself and the startup scene, and also what Guru is all about? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I, I th thanks again for having me on. Um, 
So yeah, I've been a, an entrepreneur in the, in the Philly region here since 1999, um, started a company called Boomi in 2000 that was ultimately acquired by Dell. Um, through, through growing that company actually was kind of where, at least where I lived the pain that Guru now solves. Um, you know, what, what, what people talk a lot about today as sales enablement, um, it, it's really, it's really as your company grows, um, and in order to scale that company, you must centralize the collective knowledge of that company. Or you truly won't grow. You really won't scale. And, and you, can, you can see companies that haven't kind of figured it out. Um, you know, they, they have high attrition with their sales reps. Their sales reps take a long time to onboard customers. Support tickets take a long time to resolve. Um, projects go late during deployments. All these kind of things that you watch and go, why is that happening? And, and that's really what, what, what Guru solves is to, to really provide one-click access to all of that knowledge that you might need to do your job. If you're a sales rep and you're on the phone with a customer, how do you quickly get an answer to a question and solve a customer's problem, basically? I mean, that's really what a sales rep's job is, is, is solve their problem. And how do you do that in a quick way? How do you resolve support tickets really quickly um, by getting access to that, that, that bit of knowledge that you need um, to resolve the issue? So that, that's really the kind of the problem space that we're in at, at Guru. Sure. No, it makes sense. And uh, you know, before we got on the call, we talked a little bit about the the challenges, especially in the SaaS selling community. But before I dive into Guru in a little bit more detail, I certainly do want to kind of talk about because it's you know really compelling topic. I think a solution that there's a huge gap today. But before I get there, you know, I found it interesting is you know kind of finding about who you were a little bit before we kind of scheduled this and that you actually stayed on at Dell for a couple of years. And I even just heard in your answer there that hey, some of the pain you experienced. A larger company kind of drew, drove you to, to create this solution. Can you talk about the experience that how the experience of running a startup uh, versus being in you know big business corporate America has has influenced not just what Guru's doing but what you're doing and, and some of the you know takeaways you've you've got there that you can kind of implement into a smaller company. I think that's a that's that's not an experience that many get to to have. So I think sharing some of the wisdom that you've gained from that tenure at Dell for those couple of years there and then bringing it back into the startup community, I think is, it would, it would be intriguing for people to hear. Definitely. Definitely. It, it was an amazing experience. Um, you know, number one, yes, the, 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 you know, see, seeing the pain that guru solves, um, you know, we had the pain at, at Boomi with a hundred person team. You know, when you join a company that's a hundred thousand people, you add that many zeros, you know, multiplier on the pain. So, yeah. so definitely there. Also, just sort of, you know, I, I had never worked for a company that was bigger than a thousand employees. So, so having the experience of working for a company that was a hundred thousand employees, um, super helpful to me. I mean, tactically speaking, like, you know, I, I have conversations now at Guru where where I'm talking to a very large company um, about solving their their knowledge sharing problem, and they talk to me about you know cross matrix reporting structures and procurement process and. And business units and how they're set up and structured. And you know, before before working in a big company, I, I'd sort of glaze over and not not really kind of get it. And now I understand it. I understand how technology gets bought in a big company a lot better than I used to. So that was super valuable. I think kind of you know, I, I always describe the experience with Dell as very positive. You know, from from the way they approached the acquisition to the way they announced it to the Boomi team was very professionally done. They really thought through that communication plan. And it really taught me 
the value of internal communication. And it's funny when you start a company, I mean, you think to yourself, well, you know, it'll be easy. We're all sitting in a big open room and communication. I won't be our problem, but you know, just it, it can, you, you can, you can so easily handle something the wrong way. Uh-huh. And, and whether it's being transparent with your team or whether it's talking about how decisions get made in your company or, or talking about why something's happening, you know, it's super important. And, 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 and if you, you know, if, if you aren't careful, you, you can really wreck kind of the morale, the morale of the team. So I think, I think I kind of learned and observed that one and found, and found a lot of value out of that one. Um, and then finally, um, the other one that I would say was super valuable, at least kind of to me personally was, was as you noted, kind of running, running the booming business, um, you know, that we ran pretty standalone kind of, kind of ran as our own business inside of Dell. And so, um, <clears throat> Learning that meeting and, 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 and collaborating with executives, you know, really smart, sharp people, um, learning from them, also understanding how, how you run a, a business unit and a P&L and having uh-huh. that, you know, super, super valuable, definitely. Sure, sure. You know, one of the things that kind of came clear there also is this idea of the importance of internal communication and how sometimes we think it's going to be an easy thing. But, you know, and I talk to a lot of leaders and business leaders on the show and they, they all, almost to a person, they all come at it from a different perspective. But the one thing that's consistent is that unification around what we're doing, the mission we're in, the purpose that we're in business for, and not just to, you know, make the numbers work because the numbers got to work, right? But to really solve that problem in the marketplace and to make a difference, they all talk about the necessity of communication. Now, do you think? Because when I when I look outside in at, at what Guru does, it seems to me as though it, it's potentially another mechanism to to make that communication consistent across the organization. I mean, is that a fair read? Oh, it's spot, it's spot on, definitely, Joel. I mean, when when you think about uh, a strategic change or a small thing like a pricing promotion or uh, you know a new competitor coming to market or you know these are all these are all really important things. And and if you're if you if you or your team is caught caught flat footed, um, it's it's embarrassing to you, right? And and, and none of us want to be in that position. But also. Um, also, uh, you know, it's, it, you can sit down in a town hall and communicate something, but you know, how, we can't expect that we're all going to retain everything everyone just said perfectly. Right. And, and one of the things people do with guru is they, is they capture FAQs, you know, I, you know, so, so imagine communicating a strategic change that uh-huh. involves uh, a new pricing, go to market, uh, a new go to market, excuse me, a new pricing model. Um, and, and, and some anticipated questions you're going to get from the market. Um, or, or imagine you're making a big, exciting announcement and you know that your sales and support teams are going to be asked about that announcement. Maybe it was a merger. Maybe it was announcing a new product. Maybe it was someone reported something about your company. You need to have your team armed with that information. So you have a town hall. You communicate it. Then you give them your guru board of FAQs. Now they have at their fingertips the talking points to address that. And most importantly, everyone's on the same page. They can look at that. Um, answer. They can see that it was verified directly by the CEO. He verified it on Tuesday and he verifies it once a month. And they don't have to wonder, is this like the thing we should be saying? Like they actually, they actually know. Uh-huh. Um, so, so yes, for, for sure. I think that's a great observation. Guru is definitely a key enabler or reinforcer, if you will, of that internal communication. Yeah, it, it seems, you know, I, I, um, Again, before we, we got in the call here, I was talking about, um, well, I'll tell for the audience's benefit. You know, one of the things I see a lot in the, the folks that I help is that 
the SaaS sales you know, guy or gal needs to be a jack of all trades and the master of all of them at the same time. I mean, gone are the days where a big ERP could pull up with the bus of 20 support members to sell some multi-million dollar license deal because that's just not the way the business model works anymore, right? So they need to be nimble. They need to be educated. They need to have the answers kind of at the ready. And, and they really need to be masters of the industry solution, what's happening in the industry. They need to be masters of the model, the FAQs. I mean, are all of those things, I kind of see it. And again, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, right? But I kind of see a significant need to kind of make information you know, served up to me at the ready. I mean, is that is that the pain and the problem that you're trying to solve for this SaaS salesperson? Uh, yes. Yeah, I, th- I think you nailed it. You know, I think I think um, traditionally people have tried to solve this by using uh, uh, wikis or LMS systems, and you know, you get onboarded, you go through a boot camp, and off you go. And you know, m- most research will say that that. that what, what, what you learn in a boot camp is really only 10% of what you need to do your job. And it's really all the on the job stuff. And, and you kind of describe that just in time need, you know, I, I don't need to, I don't need to memorize 27 security FAQs, but I definitely need to know where to quickly get those and answer them uh, to my prospect and know that they're being reviewed consistently by the security team in the company. Sure. Now I don't have to bother the security team. So they're happy <laughs> because, because <laughs> I'm not wasting their time. Right. And also, um, you know, I'm 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 responding quickly and accurately to the to the customer's question. So yeah, I think um, I think that's a great way to describe it. Uh, you know, just in time access, putting it in front of the per, of the person who needs it at the time of need is really what it what it's all about. Now, talking about the level of accountability, because it seems to me that part of what you're building kind of automates accountability. So if uh, a card on a certain topic hasn't been touched in a while or it's getting too lengthy or maybe there's some dated information, you kind of go to the owner of that card saying, hey, it's time to update it. I mean, is so talk to me about the necessity for accountability. And I'm curious if this automated accountability has been working for uh, your, your users. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, it's a great, great question. Um, it, it, help, it helps in two ways. Um, as you kind of noted, we have a verification workflow it built into Guru that um, forces every piece of content that's put into Guru to be reviewed at least once a year. Um, you know, at most it's once a week, it's at least once a year. And, um, so if I'm a subject matter expert and I'm contributing knowledge and I, I put, put content into, into Guru, the benefit to me is I put it in Guru and I just forget about it because, because I don't have to remember later when that thing changed to go back into Guru and update it. Guru is going to automatically come back to me quarterly or every six months or whatever the rule is I've specified and make and ask me to re-verify that it's still right. So that's sort of the imagine, you know, think of that as kind of freeing the headspace of the subject matter expert that when we looked at this space in prior solutions, um, you can get a subject matter expert to write a 20 page security PDF or write several wiki pages, but then they're going to go back to their job. They're, they're, that's not top of mind for them to remember to like review if that's still the right answer anymore. So, so that was the first half of it was automating that so they wouldn't have to worry about that. Then from a sales rep's perspective or whoever's looking for this stuff, um, they want to trust that what they're seeing is right. And, we, and that, that word trust came up a lot when we were building the product and testing it with customers. This, as soon as somebody looks at something and they either know it's wrong or a customer tells them it's wrong, even worse, 
um, they will never use that system again. That's like a guarantee, right? They're they're not going to trust it anymore. And so, so in Guru, in that same piece of content that they're opening up, we call them cards. You'll see on that card that, you know, John Smith reviewed this answer, uh, two weeks ago and he reviews it every 90 days and you can look at that and go, cool. So I'm going to use this information because I know, I know that it's, that it's right now. That's great. I like that. You know, again, I think I would imagine there's a lot of, um, you know, I know you've been around for a couple of years. I'm sure you got a, a pretty fair amount of views at this point. I would imagine there's a lot of clamoring for, for certain integrations. Oh, I wanted to integrate here. I wanted to connect with that, this tool that I use, like an Evernote or something like that. I'm curious, what's the highest demand for that sort of thing? And where do you see the, the most intelligent, you know, integration with what Guru is doing with what they might be using today? Um, the two highest demand, uh, things have been, uh, Slack, um, you know, which, which is quickly becoming like the new, the new workplace standard. Um, we, we released that integration, um, right, right as Slack was announcing their, their partner directory. Um, that, that was, that was great. Um, a, a great thing for us to do, and, and many customers come and find us actually just through that, through that, that integration. And, and the idea there in Slack, you know, Slack as, as uh, many folks in the audience will know, is a uh, messaging app for for work for teams at work. And so, you know, imagine that you and I are talking, and you ask me a question in, in Slack, and I know the answer is in Guru. Uh, all I do now is is interact with the Guru bot, and I I, I do a search. Um, the Guru bot gives me back the results, and I say, uh, okay, this is the answer, and I click a button, and it pushes the the answer right into that Slack channel. So it's all about keeping you in that workflow, letting you answer a question in Slack without having to leave it. And people have really, have really liked that, that one. Um, the second one, the most, most popular is salesforce.com, you know, the, you know, king of the cloud computing space for sure than the enterprise. And so, you know, on that one, what we see most often is, all around um, contextualizing the knowledge base. So in Guru, you've got all kinds of content for all different things. So, so how do you how do you contextually bring the right thing to the to the forefront at the right time? So if I'm a if I'm a rep and I'm I, I, I'm qualifying a new lead. And, you know, Guru can look at things like, you know, what's the size of the company the lead is and what industry are they in and which product are they interested in, which company are they using today? And all of those insights will surface um, the right the right. Um, uh, uh, bits of knowledge for the rep to engage with that prospect. They don't have to go searching for that stuff. They're going to get, here's the case study I should use. Here's the messaging I should use because it's this industry that they're in. Here's the data sheet for the product and here's the takedown points for the competitor they're currently using. Right away. They don't have to go dig and find all that stuff. So I'd say that's the other really big, big integration we see. No, it makes sense. I think those two things, you know, make a lot of sense there, right? Because it it, it automates, uh, not automates, but kind of enables them to do their jobs better. You know, I'm curious, Rick, what you think about um, a lot is being discussed right now, especially, and again, we talked about the SaaS sales rep being a little bit different than the old enterprise rep of, of the 2000s, right, and needing to be kind of masters of all these things. But it, it seems to me, and I'm just kind of curious, it's more like an esoteric question, if you will, but it seems to me that you know, adequately selling in SaaS is way more than just closing the deal. You have to get the customer up and successful uh, because you want them to be not just using the tool, but you want to expand, you want to re- have a good solid renewable there as well, right? So it seems to me that the, the, the buy cycle, while still important, the life cycle of the customer 
might even be more important. Where are they in the maturity, and how can I get them to the next step, and how can I get them to adopt that? I mean, in your in your experience, is that is do you think that's true? And and what do you see companies doing to make that customer life cycle, not just the buy side, but the actual use side, more not only accessible but everyone's job? So you're all kind of you know rolling in the same direction to get the customer up and running quickly. So you know they're they're a good quality renewable at the end of the year. Totally, totally. Yeah, I think it's a huge. I think it's a huge thing, and I think there's a there's a there's a thing happening on the technology side and a thing happening on the people side. You know, if you look at you know you use the example about the old you know the old the old fashioned <laughs> sales model where it was a perpetual license, right? So you go in and sell a big deal and you close it and you and you 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 charge them that perpetual license fee up front. Well, you know, like you, you've got their money, right? And and I think I think that drove some some suboptimal behavior. Um, and I think in the SaaS world, it's it's you know it, it's better for everybody, right? It, it, it keeps the vendor in a mode of constantly having to deliver value, and it keeps the customer in the mode of being able to switch if they're not seeing the value. It's it's it truly is better for everyone. And, and the way that that seems to be happening most notably is the rise of of customer success organizations. You know, historically you had a sales team and and a sales engineer team and maybe a pro serve team and a support team, but you know, a lot of those groups are either, you know, you know, you know, t- time based. And so at the time of deployment, I implement you and I do a thing and then I leave or support is reactive by nature, right? I'm, I'm responding to a problem you're telling me you have. Well, customer success is all about being proactive and it's all about going, you know, how, how to proactively reach out to someone and make sure that they're being successful, make sure that they're telling you that they're being successful, make sure that they're um, uh, doing the right things in the product and having a good rollout for the reasons you said, so that they renew. I mean, it's better for everyone. And then and then the corresponding technology with things like um, Gainsight and Tatango is all around um, are they, are they, are, is their usage indicative of success? And so, you know, are they taking specific actions in the product? usage trending upward is there usage starting to trend downward and that signals a problem right that you know in the old days we, we waited till the customer told us they were you know ripping us out before yeah. we you know now now you know now you can address a problem with a customer find out you know maybe it's just a perception issue maybe they don't know about a certain feature it could be anything but the point is organizations that aren't aren't quite sales and aren't quite but really live to be ensuring the success of the customer. It has this sort of new, new, new way of, of engaging with a customer that's just um, phenomenal. It's phenomenal for everyone. It, it, again, it's great for the customer. It's great for the vendor. Yeah. You know, a happy customer will expand their usage. You know, it, it's just good, good all around, good hygiene. Yeah, no, I, I like that description of it. I think it's one of the better descriptions I've heard about the phenomenon of a customer success team because, you know, they see it more and more. But the way you've described it, I think, is especially the idea and the examination of use. That That's interesting to me because I, I think um, – SaaS companies should have the innate ability to do it, but I question sometimes how many are actually doing it. And I, I think sometimes that has a lot to do with the values of the company. You say, hey, what what is important to us? And if customer satisfaction as as a real success and satisfaction is not a important value, then sometimes we don't we're not on the lookout for those sorts of things. So as a leader now, I'm curious how highly you prioritize this idea of, hey, what are the values of this organization? Is that something you prioritize in a high high manner? Yeah, you know, I'll say it kind of like, you know, these days, like companies just don't grow without a focus from the beginning on the customer's outcome, 
they truly don't. And the reason why they don't grow, and that, that's not even a mystery, the reason why they don't grow is, you know, if you want to look at something like net promoter score as an indicator, well, you know, unless you have people so astoundingly happy with your product that they're out recommending you word of mouth buzz to their friends and generating that kind of, if that's not a meaningful contributor to your business, you have to crawl your way down every single door to get in front of every single customer. Your customer acquisition cost is going to go way higher than it needs to. Um, your customer's propensity to expand their usage in your product will be much less than it would otherwise, right? If, if it's like, it's it product's pretty good, but they're not like, this product's freaking awesome and I love it, you know. It's those guys that are going to try to roll it out to other departments within the company yep. or top of mind when you grow and expand the team. So you, your company won't, I believe very much, your company won't be successful if you don't have that true kind of like zealot, zealot feeling um, amongst your customers. And, you know, you know, it's never going to happen for all of them. But I think um, the better job you can do up front of knowing who is your sweet spot customer and, you know, other people say this a lot, but I believe in it like it's better to have, to form a deep relationship, a deep connection with us, with a smaller group of, of companies than a mediocre connection with a larger group. Right. So I think having that focus up front in your company is like the first step in kind of getting that zealot reaction is like these guys, this vendor really gets me. They really like understand what, what I'm trying to do here. Yeah. And, uh, and they clearly built the product for me and I love it. And I want to tell all my friends about it. You know, I think that's, it's just, it's so important. No, that's good. Again, another another good description. I like that, right? Because it's it's um, you know, caring for the numbers is one thing, but caring for the absolute good of the customer ultimately impacts the numbers even better, right? So I, I think the the good solid leaders that I talk to all kind of come to that conclusion, right? That listen, we have to do what's right to. Uh, there was a guy I talked to. Um, he runs a company called. Actually, you might want to check them out. They're called Bullhorn. They're in um, Boston. They have a kind of a new, new, new-ish CRM platform. But, at any rate, he actually did something very similar. Where he said, "Listen, our numbers are important." But he he turned the company on its head and said, "Listen, these these satisfaction scores have to go up." And they, they as a result, the company actually had its best year of growth after they did that. So I'm, I'm encouraged to hear you say the same thing because I think more and more people hear it, then more and more people can implement it as their own. So I thank you for sharing that. But but listen, Rick, one last question before I, I wrap up here. As I'm curious because um, when this notion of placing our values high, caring about our customers, it, it always, almost always has an impact on how we bring talent into the organization. And sometimes I think some of the some of the small to medium sized companies that that I work with, kind of constantly recruiting on demand, right? Where oh we have any let's go fill it. And when they do that, they fail to prioritize culture, values, and alignment of the right person um, that also has the right skills. I mean, do you do you guys feel? Do you personally feel that the right cultural and value fit is is as important as the right skill fit? Yeah, um, I, 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 uh, I've kind of gone on record. It may be an extreme response to this, but I've said that I think the you know I'd rather have the culture fit and 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 teach someone you know into the into the role than than have the you know the highly skilled asshole you know um, who who's who who may be a rock star but is just going to cause problems um, o- o- over and over again amongst the team. And and I've seen it happen. And I think what te- what happens. Um, is it creates like a crater around that person in the company. It, it, it impacts the other 
um, team members when you do that. Um, while that one very micro specific function might be going well, um, you know, you'll see other parts of the of the company kind of get get negatively impacted. I, I you know, I kind of feel like um, people should like coming to 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 work here. They should like they should reasonably <laughs> sure. enjoy it, and and it's a lot of work and it's hard work, but it should feel rewarding and challenging and all that stuff. But I think some of the stuff like the um, some of the just the conflicts and the personality types and things like that, um, I just have kind of found that it's better to just have no no tolerance for it up front. And I think one of the biggest things, and you kind of talked about the on-demand thing, I think about what happens when you try to grow too fast. That And I, that's, I think, the way you, you said it, but I think that's when it, it that goes off the rails because you – you um, you start to put performance um, uh, goals in place that you're going to meet a hiring plan by this date, uh -huh. um, and I think you're just when you do that, you're just sort of inviting um, that problem to, to oh, kind yeah. of come into your company. Um, so uh, yeah, so 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 we tend to say here that um, oh, you know all things being equal, you got two people. One person's a better cultural fit and maybe not quite as good with the skill set, you know, that that's the one to hire. And I think that's never really um, led us wrong. Yeah, I, you know, I think we applied that for the most part at Boomi too. And it's just never, never really let us, let us down a bad path yet. Great, great. I'm glad to. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. Also, it's very confirming. So, listen. I want to be certainly mindful of your time. I don't want to eat up too much more. So, let me just wrap up here. I, I one thing I want to point people to. We've been again. I'll tell you more about Rick Nucci in a second, who we've been speaking with. But I want you to check out if you're listening to this. Uh, Guru's Ultimate Guide to Enabling Your SaaS Sales Team. You can find it at getguru.com forward slash SaaS Sales Guide. You just search for that, you'll find it. But it's an excellent example of kind of some kind of the curation that Guru was able to do, and, and I, I would like to point you guys to that. Uh, but in the meantime, who we've been speaking to, hopefully you, you, you get an idea of why we've had him on the show. He's got great insight, and he's he's leads in the way that we love to hear people lead here at Leading Matters. And it's uh, Rick Nucci, and he again is the co-founder of the current CEO of Guru, getguru.com. And he's in the Philadelphia area, very involved in the Philly startup uh, leader community and really has some fantastic insights. So, Rick, I can't thank you enough for joining us today and sharing your insight about Guru and also some of the important things that matter as we prioritize where we're leading and taking our companies. Thank you, Joel. I, re I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thank you.